Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about seeing the job from the trade's point of view with the help of special guest Jason Wright of Jason Wright Electric in Kansas City, Missouri. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hi everyone, I'm Tim Fowler and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. Before we get right into the topic, I do want to say that one of the most difficult things about doing a podcast every week is keeping up with topics and guests. So I want to invite all of our listeners to chime in. If you have a topic or a guest or something that you think would help us on this show, feel free to send me an email at tim at remodelersadvantage.com. And uh, give me some ideas, okay? That, that'll help us out a lot just to keep this relevant and exciting uh, for everybody. All right, so recently we've had a couple of podcasts on the contractor-trade contractor relationship. One was from the office side with a production manager. We talked about the difference between a trade partner and a trade uh, contractor or just a subcontractor. And uh, that was pretty interesting his analogy was, you know, the trade partner is like a marriage and just everybody else is kind of like dating, which I thought was uh, pretty exciting. And then we had another one with a project manager who was talking about on the job site, how does he work with his trade contractors to make sure things really uh, go well? Well, today, uh, we've turned the tables a little bit and have with us one of those infamous trade contractors. And so as the saying always goes, there's always two points of view. And today we want to hear from the point of view of the trade contractor, because we believe that this will really help contractors understand a little bit about more about how the relationship works. So very few trade or contractors know what it's like to run a really small business with multiple jobs going on, especially very small jobs. Now, there's a possibility that many of our listeners started that way, but it's been a while since you had 25 jobs going on one day with people out running all over town. And so I happen to believe that the challenge of a trade contractor uh, working with us is pretty, pretty uh, intense. And so that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have uh, this segment. And the other thing that I think is also complicating it is that many of our trade contractors have what we would call a service division that is strictly set up to hit the, the needs of the general consumer and not the contractor. And I think this also makes it tough because sometimes the mechanics that do the contracting work, they also do the service work. And for example, if a storm hits, right, you got a whole lot of service work and somebody's got to be put on the back burner. So it's a little bit hard to kind of know how this all works. 
Steve, what are you looking forward to here? Well, I mean, Tim, as a general contractor, I think there's you know, there's preconceived notions of, of working with subcontractors, but, you know, the relationships that are built are really the the core and fabric of a successful remodeling company. I still keep in touch with almost all of the subs that I used when I was in business. So I do, I'm very interested in hearing what Jason has to say from his point of view, because I think that's so important uh, so, so that we can all be enlightened. So Without further ado, Jason Wright is the owner and master electrician of Jason Wright Electric. For the past 24 years, Jason has built an electrical contracting company from the ground up. Built upon hard work, excellence in service, high standards in character and generosity, Jason Wright Electric has become one of the most premier electrical contractors in Kansas City, sought out by the best designers and contractors. His commitment to personalized service sets them apart from their competitors. He describes his view of personalized service like the marriage of concierge and electrician. Jason values faith and family, and his employees are more like a family than a company. A veteran himself, he employs veterans and persons of character. Jason is very active with his church and is always looking for ways to bless others, knowing that his business will always be taken care of in the end. The reputation of Jason and his company is highly regarded in the Kansas City area. Welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me on today. So let's just start by talking a little bit about your business, just so we can set the stage for everybody to know a little bit about who you are. Give us some information about it, like how many people work for you, how many contractors, remodeling contractors you work for, and I guess maybe... Do you have that service division that I alluded to in the intro? Yeah, yeah we've, we've got 11, 11 team members right now, um, and we do do some service work, but we really treat it as two separate divisions. I have two, two service electricians that that is pretty much all they do. Um, but if our contractor work is, is real heavy, we might pull them over in the contractor work to just help out with some scheduling. But by the same token, if the contractor work is light, we might put some guys over into the service department just to assist. But pretty much they're two different divisions. We treat them that way. So do you recommend that for other trade contractors that they, if they're doing both kinds of work, that they actually make it a separate division and only mingle them when they absolutely have to? Is that a recommendation you'd make? Oh, it, it should be a requirement because here's what the, here's the problem is there's two different mindsets. When you look at a electrician that you want on a contractor job, you, there's a lot of skills that he needs to have on that job that a, that a service guy doesn't need and vice versa. So it's about getting the right guys in the right seat or the right girls in the right seat on the bus. Well, that's really good. So how many contractors do you work with in the Kansas City area, roughly? You know what? We work with a lot. What A lot of them sporadically. We probably have about five or six core contractors that we work with, I mean, day, weekly, you know, and we're always on their jobs. Okay, great. So probably the big thing for general contractors remodeling is the scheduling issue. It's like, you know what, you know, I called them, they said they'd be there, you know, nobody showed up, all that kind of stuff. So what, from your vantage point, what is the most 
effective way of scheduling if a contractor needs to work well with their trade contractor? What's the most effective way of making that happen? You know, point blank communication. And it really doesn't matter where it comes from. Where I think a lot of trade partners or subcontractors miss the boat is, is they rely on the contractor's process to get them on their job. Once that contractor gives us an idea when that when that job's going to start, my office has a process to keep in contact with them if they don't keep in contact with us. And I think that's where a lot of that relationship falls apart. I think many times a contractor will say, hey, you need to do this, or a subcontractor will go to a contractor and say, hey, you need to do this. But at the end of the day, each of us needs to own each of those processes and do what we can do that's in our control to really help to uh, make it make it a better situation. Now, do you actually do you actually do the scheduling yourself, you the, the owner, or do you have somebody that answers the phone and does that scheduling for you? You know, that is one of the things that I messed up for the longest time in my business is I thought I could do that scheduling myself, and I would come home at the end of the day with a piece of sheetrock or a piece of cardboard with notes all over it, or a pocket full of, you name it. My, my wife used to get used to me calling, carrying anything from a piece of sheetrock to a piece of wood to cardboard with notes all over it. And then I'd be thinking, what the heck do these do? So really the best thing we I ever did was hire some, some, some office staff. And I've got a lady that works in my office, Jennifer, and she really is the hub of the information. And I'm not. She takes care of, she, she's the one that has, that does all of our scheduling. She's in contact with our contractors and she does all that scheduling. And to me, that is, a, I mean, a requirement for us. So I'm just sitting here thinking, like, if you have one more person on your staff, is that going to cost me more money as the contractor? Well, well you know what, though? Let's, let's, let's put this out there, Okay. What cost is a relative thing? Because many contractors I talk to are are really, you know, they're 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 mad because their trade partners won't show up, they won't do what they say they're gonna do, and all that list of, of issues that you have. And so you're gonna say you want the cheapest guy. Well, you get what you get. So if the cost gets you the service that you desire, is it expensive? And I would submit that it's not. No, I, I highly agree, and that's I'm just making a little quick note here to, to, to mention it later on that maybe one of the things that really comes out of this podcast is just the idea that contractors maybe should be pushing their trade contractors to beef up some staff so that they get better scheduling, and it's not just sort of running down the road, you know, saying, yeah, I can be there kind of thing. Right. See, I won't even take phone messages to schedule jobs. If somebody calls me, they, they may call me with a technical issue about how we're going to work out maybe something that came up that we didn't have planned. And I'll talk through the technical side of it. And my last thing is, okay, well, you better call the office and, and let them know when you need us. So I just totally stay out of it. And I've trained our contractors to know that. So many times we'll have that technical conversation and they will say, okay, I'm going to call the office because I need to get it on the schedule. So, but it's about staying where I can be useful. I know when I am involved in areas that I've already handed off to my office, it truly 
causes problems. So what do you think are, I alluded in the introduction to this idea that a lot of contractors don't understand the challenges of a trade contractor. What, what do you, what are the one, two, three most important things that you see as a trade contractor in working with a contractor? What would you put right up there to say if, if these were the only things that got done or whatever, they would be the most important? I, there's a, there's a, it's a short list. Number one, communicate about scheduling. Okay, because there are many times our office usually calls uh, the the lead carpenter on a project three days before we are supposed to be on that project to check if there's been any changes. For us, we need to know what kind of can lights to order and have on site. We my office goes through the detailed questions about is the ceiling up in this room? Is the ceiling up in this room? so those design changes are some that usually holds us up. And it's the, it's the small details like, hey, where do you want the vanity over the, uh, over in the bathroom, where do you want the light fixture over the vanity? Well, I don't know, we haven't got that back yet. So it's those small details that are, that are crazy difficult for us because then we have to make a second trip to finish that job out. So. So really communication to me is, you could sum them all up, communicate, 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 because that's truly what it's about. And that fixes most of the problem. The other thing is, is prioritize for us. Because as a contractor, I know you've been on a job and your trade and your trade partners left yesterday and you realize there's something else that needs to happen. I can't tell you how many times my office has walked through fire to get somebody back there the next morning to do something that needed that didn't need to be done for week. So you have to have trust in your trade partners and we do. And a lot of our trade partners, they, they will call and they say, Hey, this is what I need. This is my time frame." Now they know that they can call and say, Hey, this is an emergency. I need this done ASAP. It's a nine one one. And we go and we, so now we can address the situations in an order of priority instead of everything being a fire drill. Jason, uh, what is the best way with this start of a new relationship with a contractor? So, you know, I'm leery of get, bringing a new person onto my job sites and you're leery of, of uh, you know, working with a new contractor. So what is that process and leading up to that first project? Do you like to start small? I mean, what, what is it? Well, the first thing we do is we get is we dig a lot of background on a new contractor. Okay, we want to know who we're working for. We want to make sure that if our name's associated with it, it it has that level of uh, quality. So we will look and see how long they've been in business, what jobs they have. We'll look at our, their online reviews. We'll basically do kind of an informal background search on that customer or on that contractor just to find out if we are a good fit. Mm-hmm. I have a catchphrase that my wife absolutely hates. <laughs> and when I'm talking to a new contractor, I tell them point blank. Hey, our customers usually drive Mercedes, not Kias. Okay. Now, each of you know what that means. That yeah. means you're not working for customers that are price driven. You're you're driven. You're working for customers that are value and quality driven. So, to me, you would be surprised. Many times, a contractor I talk to will be like, uh, "Yeah, no, mine drive Kias. Good talking to you. You know anybody?" I call. Yeah. So it eliminates them right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So 
I always have lunch with a new contractor before we go out on a job because I want to know who they are. I want to know what their organization's like because in order for us to team with them, we have to be able to be successful yeah, and make them successful. And you know what? Sometimes there's good people that are just bad fits. So you alluded to your office calling and, you know, checking in with the contractors. And I'm just thinking that 95% of the people that are listening to this podcast are going to go like, how come my people don't do that? What, (laughs) you know, what brought you to that? And was that a suggestion of a contractor or, or what, how did you get to that point? And the other part of this question is like, does your office staff actually have like a checklist that they go down through to make sure a job is ready for you guys uh, before you, you go out? Yes, they do. And they do. And I'll tell you why, because we get to, we got to jobs and they weren't ready. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, because the problem is, is you've got project managers and lead carpenters and the project manager says you got to stay on schedule and the lead carpenter's thinking you got to stay on schedule and we're going to rough in a bathroom job that they put a piece of plywood in the middle of the floor. The rest of it's open framing and they still, or the, you know, the floor joists are still open and the wall's not framed. They will have us show up. Right. Well, how can they frame a wall in a bathroom if we're, if we're there or vice versa? So when things like that popped up, we just developed a process in-house to help us help the contractor make those decisions. And we just don't show up. Usually I get involved in those to try and coach the, either the lead carpenter or if not the project manager. And is this really a good spot for us to be? And, you know, usually we come to the right decision, which is no, we need to be our, we need to get our job ready first. So, but that goes back to my point where a lot of contractors are pointing their fingers at a, at a trade partner or to, to fix their problems. And I think if the contractor would, figure out a process to help the trade partners fix their problems, then they would help. Then, then it, they would reciprocate because it's the small trivial things like plug and switch device colors for us electricians that we never get an answer for. Let, let me rephrase that. We never used to get an answer for <laughs> until the day before we went to do the final, you know, to do the finish, to do the trim out. So my my uh, leads on the job, that's a question they ask when they finish the rough in. And then we track it in the office. And a couple of days later, we send out an email to the lead carpenter, the project manager, the designer saying, hey, we need device color. And it actually comes to my desk every day on a tracking sheet about items that we have pending. And if we don't get an answer in a week or two, then I may reach out to them. But, you know, typically... So what we've done is we've trained the contractors that, hey, we need this information to do your job. So help us help you. And it, yeah. it, really, it really works out well. Yeah, I'm sure it's, you know, it's, I'm sure it saves you so much uh, trouble. I, I remember so clearly years ago when I was actually building some pretty large houses in the Washington, D.C. area. And my assumption was the electrician I mean, there are 7,000 square feet of framing and you can start anywhere in this house and I'd have him come out and he'd go like, where's my panel going? And where's the plywood that my panel goes on? And I'll go like, 
well, we'll get it. And you'll get, he said, no, that's where I start. And it, it took a couple of, it took a couple of times for me to get educated that right where he came out that panel, you know, and I'm going like, I don't understand. You got 7,000 square feet of framing and you can at least drill some holes, you know, but, but anyway, that, that's such a key thing for contractors and trade contractors to communicate about what they need and what, what is a good aspect. I wanted you to give us a little advice for contractors on how to work with a trade partner on budget, because I think, you know, I would love it as a contractor just to be able to pay you everything you need and want on every job. And then I get this client that I, I got to have that job and I'm, I'm hunt. I'm what do you call it? Hunting budget. I'm, I'm chasing budget, but I got to have that job. And so I need a little bit from you as my trade contractor. What, what kind of advice would you give somebody doing that? You know, open and transparency. And this this one's going to take you back. I'm sure I handle this differently than everybody else you've talked to. I get that phone call, not a lot, but you know, a couple, maybe a couple, three times a year that I will have one of our one of the designers call and say, "Hey, we're really trying to get this job. Um, we is there any way you can come down three percent or four percent or five percent to make our budget?" And my first question is. <laughs> Are you taking three to four percent out of your profits, and are you taking three to four percent out of your commissions? <laughs> and if they and say the answer, yes, what's the that? answer? What's <laughs> the answer? I want to know the answer. Well, but see, but see, but see, and I'm I'm just I'm blatant about it. And yeah. when they say, "Well, I sure am," I said, "Great, I'm a member of the team. I'm in." Okay. Now you'd be surprised. I have literally had contractors that said that we don't work for anymore. That right, said. Right. Well, no, how can I do that? I've got to have my money. Right. And, you know, it's, a, it's an easy answer after that. It's like, well, guess what? So do I then. I guess we're not going to do that job. Yeah. So to me, that's about that partnership. You know, yeah. if we're all going to take 3% less, let's all take 3% less. But I feel like it's totally unfair for a contractor to go to all of its trade partners and want a concession to get a job when they're not willing to take that concession first. Well, yeah, that makes perfect, perfect sense. So I had, I've, I've dealt with several contractors in my day of, that actually used evaluations of their trade contractors. Uh, one contractor did one on every project. The project manager would fill one out on every project. And I've been recommending kind of like your budget thing that, that to do that, but also then to let the trade contractor evaluate the co- the general contractor. Do you have any thoughts on the evaluation thing that, that you know good or not? See, I think, I think feedback is a basis for making positive change. Now, where that feedback needs to happen, I think it's different for every situation. A lot of our, well, in fact, our regular contractors, we have just really honest communication all the time. But I always live by the by the philosophy. If somebody has, if somebody feels like they have the right to, to, to condemn what I'm doing or say, hey, you shouldn't be doing that or 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 that, they have the responsibility to come to me and compliment when when we do something good. Yeah. And when they come to us and with with the bad and the good, 
then it's a then it's a, a good communication and it gives them a, a bigger platform and vice versa i will call our contractors about issues i always try to start with where the issue is if it's with a lead carpenter i i will start with them and and i feel like if they fix whatever i brought to them i have to come back to them and say hey i appreciate it you we had a problem you stepped up we worked it out that is awesome because what that does it gives me a bigger platform whenever there's another issue they have the trust in me and i have the trust in them that we can be honest and we can just look at the situation it's not a personal attack so now would i feel bad about a a feedback form on every job no i wouldn't but i think if it's somebody that you work with on a on a regular basis i think after the first 10 it's going to be redundant because all the answers are going to be the same either they're fixing the situation or you're still going to have it so so maybe that's something that could be implemented for a new new trade partner for the first x amount of jobs but many trade partners don't have don't know what the expectations the contractor has anyway and and by that you know what what is the expectation you know so I think that's where this where this could start and have a much better conversation is when that trade partner starts with you, either meet with them or have a a, a flyer or a or a document that says, "Hey, this is what we consider to be a, a outstanding trade partner." You you know show up when you say you're going to be because you'd be surprised industry standard could be hey if i'm there this week um <laughs> you should be happy that's right yeah. right yeah, so yeah but so maybe that trade partner does not know if he's not there at eight o'clock he's late maybe he feels like hey if i get there any time today you guys should be happy where in fact that contractor is beating on his tailgate at 805 wondering where the plumber was so a lot of times that expectation isn't being delivered from the contractor to the trade. And, and I think that's where that conversation should start. So one of the things that, that I've seen over the years with a lot of trade contractors is they show up on jobs about 8.30 or 9 when the contractors typically are starting at 7, 7.30, that kind of thing. It, uh, is that true for you? For you guys, and then could you just explain a little bit about why that is that trade contractors generally are not able to show up on jobs or not up on jobs as quickly as the general contractors? We most of our jobs around here start at eight o'clock. Okay, and that's that's when the contractors start. Also, I. Okay you'd have to ask somebody else because where were we supposed to be when we're supposed to be there? <laughs> you know, to, to me, if you're there at 815, you're late. Now, what, what some of the trade partners or contractors could be doing is they may have to go pick up materials for that job. Right. Now, we, we've, you may have guessed it, we've got a process where my <laughs> office actually places the, the rough-in material order and has it delivered on site the first day we start. What a, what, a, what a great idea. <laughs> well, you know what? There's times that we will have it delivered the day before, coordinate it with the lead carpenter. Sure. And have sure. it delivered the day before so it's in the garage or it's sitting on, in the kitchen when we get there. All of our can lights and all of our material that we need for rough in is already on site. Yeah. So 
I look at my office staff to be here to support the field for, for certain things. I mean, the field is the income producers. So sure. anything my office can do, they're, they're a lot better at it anyway. Yeah. yeah. You know? Okay. All right. This has been just incredible. And I'm sure there's people all over the country going like, give me that guy's phone number. We're <laughs> not going to do that. But um, so we're going to wrap this up and, and just kind of get down to brass tacks. So from your perspective, Jason, um, talking to us, Generally, these are contractors that are listening in on this uh, this podcast. What what would you encourage them to do? Like a golden nugget, something that uh, maybe if you've already said it, repeat it, just so it really gets reinforced here. Yeah, my biggest thing is is the contractors have got to communicate what their expectations are, because if they can't communicate clearly. X, Y, Z, we need billing within X amount of time. We need you on the site. When you say eight o'clock, we mean eight o'clock. Those type of things, that is where everything starts when you're building that relationship with the trade partner. And I think the communication on that has to be open and honest and as regular as needed. I also believe if you're calling a guy and you're condemning him for what he's doing, you also need to take the time to call him and compliment him when, he, when he's doing great because that makes that makes everybody want to make you happier instead of just thinking oh crud he's calling me again here we go <laughs> well this has been so fantastic i really appreciate you being on with us jason and uh thanks so much yeah jason uh, once again we want to thank you for being on the show we wish you continued success so we'll look forward to having you back on the show in the future if you'll join us oh. okay thanks so much you guys great. have a great day thank you well, Tim, I figured it would be, but this was a this was an awesome show. This is, you know, get to pull back the curtain and we get to see the other side. Yeah, and it's so much fun. I've been trying to get all these things across to contractors for years and years and years in my training and my consulting. But it's so great to hear a, a trade partner bring it out, talk about it, kind of lay things out for us. There's just so many good things. I am just astounded that uh, he has taken the time to develop checklists yeah. for his team in the office to say, we're going to communicate proactively. And, you know, we talk about communication in this business all the time, but we, all, we tend to, like, leave it on somebody else. We tend to say it's their job to communicate with me. And uh, I just thought that was such an incredible part of what he was saying. Yeah. So many companies, I think they fall into roles based on the people that taught them how to do things. So, you know, you get these bad, uh, just bad things that happen within the in industry, within the communication between the general contractors and the subs and, you know, the ability to innovate like Jason has and just, you know, to just create those checklists to, to get ahead of the issues and I think if we had a nickel for every time we heard communication on the podcast, <laughs> we'd be rich, man. So what else? So the other thing that I thought uh, was really important, especially because most of the people listening in are contractors, and that is be proactive in helping your trade contractors mm -hmm. be successful. In other words, yeah. um, make some suggestions about increasing office staff and talk about what that would do for their business and most of us have been through that. We've seen the impact of having a scheduler or have somebody to answer the phone 
or order material or whatnot. Uh, be proactive in helping them to run their business like we run ours. And in doing that, we're probably going to get supported better by them in the long run. Absolutely. Well, once again, we would like to thank Jason Wright for joining us today. And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, we're helping the bottom line through production training. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.